Hey, it's Pastor. I am so excited you could join us uh, as we hear and listen to the Word of God. And I'm always hoping and praying that He's going to specifically guide your life and give you the hope and the peace that you cannot give to yourself. He is the power every time He promises to work through this Word. If He has worked in your life, we want to hear about it. Please email us, let us in, encourage us uh, by emailing office.amazinglove at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to support this ministry, make messages like this ongoing, uh, go to our giving tab online or download the app. Go to the app store and search Amazing Love Luther. But now, may you continue to grasp how wide, high, and deep and long is the love of Christ in this for you. Thank you. Dear friends gathered, good to see you. I invite you to pray with me and we're just going to ask God to bless the preaching of his word. Heavenly Father, you said as rain comes down from the earth and it gives water, so your word comes down and it leaves a deposit. There's activity that goes with your word. So work your wonderful activity in our hearts today. Um, Lord, we're praying for hope. We're praying for encouragement, perspective, and knowledge of your love all through this message. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Hey, church family, I want to tell you that it is good to be back. Some of you might know I was gone last week. And um, I just realized the blessing that I have in this church family. I want to tell you there is no place I'd rather be than here and no people I'd rather be here with. Uh, so welcome. And I've come on a mission from God, uh, just like the Blues Brothers. Um, I'm not bringing back the band, though. Um, I'm coming with a word. I'm coming with a word that I hope encourages you. That if you left, um, if you came here today discouraged, you'd leave encouraged. If you came down a little bit, you'd leave lifted up. That if you came confused, you'd leave with clarity. I'm hoping God will bring a word and do a work in your life today. Good to be here. Could you turn to someone next to you and say, encouragement is here? Encouragement is here. To start things off, I want to bring up the story of a, a, a baseball player named Luke Terry. Luke Terry is a middle schooler uh, who plays for his team, bats third in the lineup, and is a catcher. He's a great athlete, and yet Luke Terry is missing one arm. When Luke was 19 months old, E. coli uh, took over, and it spread to one of his arms, and uh, he has learned to overcome this um, by his hard work. I wanted to show you a, a video of what it's like for Luke to throw the ball as a catcher. Um, here's, here's a brief video. that amazing? You know, I don't have any video footage of him batting, you know, third, but he does well at that too. And I wonder, the reason I bring up Luke Terry, I wonder how many times where, where he thought of, probably had this experience where maybe he thought it was hopeless. Maybe he thought, why am I even trying? Because what I believe is that it took a lot of work to get to the point where he could do that. And maybe on the 100th attempt, maybe the 200th attempt, maybe at that time he was maybe a convinced, maybe I should give it up, maybe I should hang it up, this isn't working. You know, as coaches say about him that he is the harding, hardest working player, but I believe about him by guessing that he's probably faced hopelessness more than we have and has been able to push through it. Bring up his story because I believe we all know what it is like to have challenging scenarios that bring hopelessness. Maybe there's some students in the building, and you have that teacher, you have those projects, 
and you gave it your all, right? Like you put everything you had in it. You even stayed up night working on it and still didn't get the grade you wanted, or at least not the grade your parents wanted. But. There are people who go to a job, and you'll go there Monday, and everyone knows what the problem is. And you've been banging your head against the wall trying to find a viable solution, and, and there isn't one. And, and so all you live in is this scenario where you say, it is what it is. It is what it is. Maybe for there, there's some family members who, who know what it's like when, when the family unit isn't doing so well. You've been in dark seasons. You've been in hard seasons. Uh, maybe it's with infants, and you're like, everyone is so needy. I don't know if this is ever going to stop. I don't know ever how we're going to get past this. Maybe there's some single people who would love, love, love to have someone in their life, but they just can't find it. I think we know what hopelessness is. In fact, as we turn to the disciples today, one of the things we recognize is how they had lost hope. This, this is what they were saying, and, and as we were walking to Jesus, this is what I want to share with you. In Luke 24, they said, we had hoped. And I think there's so much emotion around that. We, we had an idea of how it was going to go down, we thought it might be this way, but we have to tell you today we had hope because hope is not any, anymore here. See, now we just have a shattered dream. Now we just have hopelessness. Now we just don't know what to make of things. We don't know what the future brings. We had hoped. Have you ever been there? You know, I think this can happen spiritually too. I don't know what your experience is or your walk with God. and I want to welcome you again if you're new. But maybe there are some who took a season off because you had hope. And it seemed like God didn't fulfill that hope. You thought something of what he was going to do, and it doesn't seem like he is coming through. If you've ever been there, this is the message that I hope turns things around. This is the message that I hope gives hope to the hopeless because of the powerful word of God. Because even though they had hoped, we're going to see how they gained hope once again. Let's get into it. Our lesson for today is um, from Luke's account of the disciples walking with Jesus. And, and what we have here is a, a walk of seven miles. It's a, a conversation that is like two and a half hours long. It kind of reminds me of the equivalent of like those long car rides. Who, who loves the long car rides? Anyone? Anyone? I just had one of those eight hours t both ways last week. And, and you've ever been in that place where uh, there's nothing good on the radio? Like all there is is that old twangy country station. And I'm not a country guy, so enough of Willie Nelson and Shania Twang. Twang. Anyway, sorry, Shania Twain. Uh, anyway, and so, so all you have to do is talk with the person next to you because that's more fun anyway. And every now and then you can have one of those conversations that just make an impact, Right? One of those ones that just sticks with you. Maybe it was the first time getting to know someone. I remember this conversation I had with my pastor in South Carolina and just the wisdom he was laying down. And it was just so good. It was convicting. It was great. Well, that's what they're doing. They're road tripping in the way that they can. They're walking. And they meet with the best conversationalists, even though they don't know it. Jesus is right there. And they are left changed. Let's read this account and their conversation. Luke 24, you can follow along in the worship folder or on the screen. It says, what things are you talking about, he asked. Well, we're talking about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all of this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early in the morning, 
but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't find Jesus. We said to them, how foolish are you? How slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And he goes on, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he, gave, he took the bread, he gave thanks, he broke it to them, and began to give it, give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. I wanted to pause there and give you some ideas of why they might have recognized him. Some commentators say they recognized him because this is what he did in the upper room. When he was instituting the Lord's Supper, he did the same thing. He took bread, he broke it, gave thanks, and gave it to him. Other commentators think that this might have been because it was then that they could see the pierced hands. As he was handing out the bread, they could say, oh wow, this is Jesus, the one who was pierced for us. Regardless of how it happened, it did happen. Their eyes were open, they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. Then they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? So an encounter with Jesus, it leaves you with heartburn. And that's what we get to talk about today. May God so give us hope and blessing through this message. You know, it's interesting that the spin people can put on a story. I was doing some research of the spin that, that people used to put on cigarettes, and I don't know if uh, you grew up in an age where, where you actually heard that cigarettes were semi-healthy. I was getting some camel ads, some camel activity that I wanted to share with you. Uh, here were some camel ads back in the day. It said, for digestion's sake, smoke camels. Awesome. Or look at this one. Uh, Give your throat a vacation, smoke a fresh cigarette. Were they not coughing back then? I don't get it. Or, or this final one, I think you really get them with this one because if they ever promise you that you're going to lose weight or sustain a weight, you know, it's, it's gold, right? This is marketing gold. So they said, if this is you in five years from now, um, this one, when tempted to overindulge, reach for a lucky instead. <laughs> Can you imagine that in the face of what we know now? <laughs> I think the truth campaign came out and did a lot to reverse that spin. But it is just evidence of all the different spins that people put on things. Our children are getting different spins all the time, right? The movie Storks came out. I'm, I'm not sure if that helped, you know, clarify birds and beads. I'll let your parents handle that someday. Um, uh, there, there's conversations they have with their friends. There are things that you have to sort out because they went to a different home, right? And there's always this spin put on things. Well, here's the thing with a spin. I believe that the wrong spin can destroy hope. See, see, look at what the disciples were dealing with. The disciples had the story, but they just had the spin of the story, right? Um, look, look at verse 21. It says, We had hoped he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Now, at that point, what I was asking and what I wanted, where did they get this spin from? See, at the time, Israel was under Roman oppression, and so they thought that he was the king, the earthly king, to throw off Rome and, and to save them from that, to, to bring Israel back into an earthly heyday. But I just wonder, where did you get that story? I wonder if Jesus was just asking, like, who told you this? Where'd you get this message? Who spun it that way? You know, I believe, Christians, if, if you're living right now, there is an assault on Christianity. I'm not against the world. We're going to be in the world, but not of the world. But there are so many spins on the story today. 
So many spins. Let me give you one story that evidenced it. I remember being at a church conference, and there was this trailer for a movie, and, I, and it came out, and Russell Crowe was the lead character. And I'm like, no way, Christians are going to be cool now, you know, because Russell Crowe is representing. It's going to be an awesome movie. And you remember what movie came out with Russell Crowe? It was this movie called Noah. And then I was so excited to go see it. And I saw it, and I'm like, no. Not at all the story. And like, if you follow Jesus, and I'm not against, you know, Hollywood, but if you follow Jesus, you were like, what in the world did they do? Because that's not the truth of the story. We're even close to it. And then we have like movies like, you know, uh, the Gods and Kings of Exodus and, and that story. And then we got another spin. And then, and then at Netflix, any Netflix streamers? And there's enough Netflix activity out there where they just give glib references to Bible stories to make you think that maybe it's a truth, but then they twist it so that you just get the spin in your left. Well, maybe there was, you know, this counterpart to Eve, this Lilith out there. Maybe there was all this going on, and there are so many spins from the History Channel, from Netflix, from whatever. And what I believe is that all the while, it's working to destroy our hope. Jesus, again, I believe, maybe he got to the disciples. He's like, who in the world are you listening to? What in the world is going on? Would Jesus say the same to us? You're filled with so many messages, so many spins. Who in the world are you listening to, and where did you get that from? Because that was not my voice. Now, this is not the sermon to boycott Hollywood or boycott Disney World. But this is a sermon that says you've got to be discerning based on the spins that are out there about the story. And I learned, um, you know, what Jesus said, how foolish you are to slow to believe because of the message you heard. I consider also what Luther said about hearing God's word. Luther said, in explanation to the third commandment, we should then fear and love God that we do not despise preaching and his word, but we should hold it as sacred and gladly hear and learn it. See, Luther presented two problems. One problem uh, among Christians and, and people around the word is that they just despise it. My history teacher knows more than you. The Netflix people know more than you. So I'm not going to listen to you because you operate from the Bible and you're ridiculous. That's despising. You can be there listening, not really taking it in. The other that I think is more relevant to us, just blatant neglect. Blatant neglect. When we fill our head with so many spins, but we never get back, we never recenter to the spin that he has preserved to us in the word. This is what we want to turn from today. To lean in. To get back. Because I believe as we lean into God's truth, we have our hope renewed. Think then of what happened with the disciples. So the disciples who had a spin are now being talked and, and, and taught through Jesus. He's going back to the Old Testament from Moses to the prophets and explaining how, how Jesus was the Messiah who was to come, how he came from Abraham, from Eve, how he was the king on David's throne, all to again inspire us and lead us. And, and he, what he was doing, it reminds me of kind of uh, what children do in the, this art project called Connect the Dots. Anyone remember playing these? I love this art form because it was the only thing that I was good at. I could draw a line from one to the other. None of the other things would work. Does anyone know what this is actually a picture of? Anyone have any guesses? Yeah, what do you got? It is an elephant. You are the man. Nice. Nice. 
And, and so just as, you know, we played that game like, wow, it's an elephant, but you, you already knew. Um, so, so Jesus was walking with the disciples, and he's like, you, you gotta know, uh, there's this prophecy that says, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, he had to be born in Bethlehem. And there's a prophecy that said he'd come in riding on a donkey, and do you know what happened on Palm Sunday? And there's a psalm that says that all his bones would be exposed and he'd get dry in his mouth and not a bone would be broken. And don't you know that's what happened on the cross? Isaiah, who said he'd be pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities, don't you know I was pierced? He's connecting the dots. And it had to have been amazing, right? You know, there was a boy who reminded me of what Jesus was doing. I want to share with you one other video. There, this is the boy who finds Jesus in every one of the Old Testament books. So I just wanted to share it with you. It's about a two-minute video, but I thought it was really cool how this boy was able to connect the dots. So, so let me show you real quick. In Genesis, Jesus Christ is the breath of life. In Exodus, he is the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's our high priest. In Numbers... He's the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he's the prophet like unto Moses. In Joshua, he's the captain of our salvation. In Judges, he's our judge and lawgiver. In Ruth, he is our kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he's our trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, he's our reigning king. In Ezra and Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder of the broken down walls of human life. And in Esther, he is our Mordecai. In Job, he is our ever-living redeemer. In Psalms, he is our shepherd. In Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he is our wisdom. And in Song of Solomon, he is our loving bridegroom. In Isaiah, he's the prince of peace. In Jeremiah, he is the righteous branch. In Lamentations, he's the weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he's the wonderful four-faced man. And in Daniel, he's the fourth man in life's fiery furnace. In Hosea, he's the faithful husband, forever married to the backslider. In Joel, he's the baptizer of the Holy Ghost and fire. In Amos, he is our burden bearer. In Obadiah, he is mighty to save. In Jonah, he is our great foreign missionary. In Micah, he is the messenger of beautiful feet. In Nahum, he is our strength and shield. In Habakkuk, he is God's evangelist crying, Revive thy works in the midst of the years. In Zephaniah, he is our savior. In Haggai, he is the restorer of God's lost heritage. In Zechariah, he is the fountain opened up in the house of David for sin and uncleanliness. And in Malachi, he is the son of righteousness, rising with healing in his wings. Isn't that pretty amazing? We should teach our kids to do that. Well, if ever you were fuzzy on the details, if ever you wanted the dots connected, let me give my best attempt. See, there is a reason that we have felt hopeless at times. And there is a reason that we get down. And it has one single culprit, which is sin. Sin is lovelessness, and we all have it. Sin brings guilt. Sin brings separation. Sin brings pain. But Jesus is real. And Jesus is the Savior from our sin and from sin's consequences. 
Jesus is as real as the hair on my head and the, the, the breath in my lungs. Jesus is the one who bore our death on the cross so that you could know sin, though it exists, is done away with. The consequences can no longer get us down. You don't have to live in guilt. You don't have to feel unloved. You don't have to feel like there is no future for you, for you have the right to be called a child of God. And there is this spirit that we believe in, the Holy Spirit, the third part of the Trinity, that is able to make things that were dead alive. He does this through the power of his word, through the power of baptism. When we were dead in our trespasses and sins, he made us alive through the love of Christ. He is real. And I don't know what you know about Jesus, but he is not just a good man. He is not just a good teacher. He is the Messiah who came with you in mind. This is the gospel. This is the reason for our hope. And this is the clarity that had come to those disciples and that we also know. What this reminds me, though, of is how important it is to have a teacher. Does anyone remember the name of their favorite teacher? All right, yeah. I want to show you my favorite teacher. He's got a rocking mustache. That's my dad. Stephen Paul Bloomer uh, was my favorite teacher. I had him for access class and confirmation. I remember car rides when I was just amazed at his brilliance when he would still remember German. You know, we'd spreken see Deutsch a little bit. And, uh, and, and whenever I had those religious questions, he was there to answer them. In fact, what I love is that I haven't lost my dad. He's still alive, and he's still teaching me. We still chat on the phone, and I ask him stuff, and, and he lets me in. It is good to have a teacher. And, and this whole lesson maybe presents that fact. And, and so what I wanted to tell you is this, that the constant Bible teaching brings strong hope. And if you've never had the ability to have a Christian teacher, what we offer at this place is Christian teaching. And one of our greatest environments is coming up. It's called Starting Point. That if you want just a, a structured environment to learn more about the Word of God, the sign-up is at the info booth, and we'd love to have you in that environment. Where all questions are welcome. We don't care what your experience was in the past. You'll just have an opportunity to learn um, about God as it is taught. I think of how wonderful the Bible is, but how wonderful it also is to have someone walk alongside you and teach. You know, it speaks also of our hope for the future. Our hope for the future is our children, isn't it? And what this means is if we want them to have a strong hope, and if they are the hope for, our teach, for the future, then we should also get them in this Bible teaching. So I'd encourage you, if you call yourself a Christian, to think about how you're raising up your children. Maybe for you, it is just being in this place. And it is coming to church and bringing them to church activities. Maybe for you it's going home and talking about Jesus there. Just reading from the word and praying with your family. And I do need to tell you that, that what is at home trumps what is at here. The home always trumps. Maybe for you it is making use of Christian education. You're not obligated to, but it's another avenue where they can help you um, have your children get this hope. We should think about these things. And we ourselves should think about these things. Because we all need hope. So if you've been hopeless, let me ask you, have you leaned in? Hope is here. Hope hasn't been hiding. Answers can be found, I believe, as you lean in once again. But you know what's most amazing about this whole section? I think it's how Jesus could be right in front of them and they didn't even know. Uh, some have called it Jesus in stealth mode. Me, I, I went to this movie called The Fate of the Furious. I do like those movies. I'm sorry. I like cars. 
And, uh, and there was this plane that, that went undetected because it could fly without the radar detection because of how the satellites were moving. And so it was a plane in the air, but no one saw it. So how is it that Jesus could be right there in front of them and they didn't have any clue that it was Jesus? I think part of it speaks to how disappointed they were. See, they were so disappointed, and this disappointment had destroyed their hopes so that they couldn't even see heads from tails. I think another hope destroyer is the times when we've been disappointed. Um, I consider our own lives, and, and I think we all know what it is to have hopes for, again, our family life, have hopes for a job, have hopes for the future, and live with some shattered dreams. And what do we do with that? Well, the disciples, they saw Jesus. And, and what we learn is, I think, that, that sometimes what we're most dis- pointed by is what has most distracted us. There's a link between our disappointment and our distraction. And so those disciples, think about it this way, they had to be disappointed that he wasn't the earthly king. Because if they weren't disappointed that he, he wasn't the earthly king, then they would have never learned that he was a greater king. That he wasn't here to throw off Rome. He was here to throw off the devil. He was here to throw off Satan. He was here to throw off guilt and shame forever. And, and they had to be disappointed before they could ever see that reality. Dear friends, I know that you come in with broken hearts. I know that a job or a person has let you down. But maybe, just maybe, those things were the source of your distraction. It had to blow up in your face, or at least to this point, because otherwise you would have hoped in something that cannot really fulfill your hopes. He had to take them away because they were getting in your way to see his face. And it was only when they were past this disappointment that they could finally live undistracted. Maybe again he allows you to be disappointed. So you have hope in what, where true hope can be found. In him. That's a good work in, his li- in our lives. Not an easy work, but a good work. And the experience then of being Jesus, it's not no longer that they had hope. They have hope and it's better. In fact, the experience that they were left with, they said, we're not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened up the scriptures. That's what it's like to meet Jesus. Our hearts are burning. It kind of reminds me of now my salsa. So I got this ghost pepper salsa from Aldi because it was on sale. Don't buy things on sale. Maybe that was the lesson. I don't know. And I'm like, I can handle it. I like, I like hot stuff, right? And usually you dilute, you know, the spice. You know, there's a lot of tomatoes and onions and cilantro you throw in. This is by far the spiciest salsa I have ever had. There's someone else who had the salsa who can confer that this is the spice. I don't recommend trying it. It is the painful hot. And what I experienced it, even as I tried to mix it with some nacho cheese, is the worst heartburn ever. After I had the nacho cheese thing, I was up from 1 a.m. to 3 a.m. thinking I was going to die, right? Don't try ghost pepper salsa, right? Well, this is not the heartburn that Jesus brings. Rather, the heartburn that we are here for is is much better, and that's putting it mildly, and that's a play on words, I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) Yes, Jesus is here to give us what it is to be inspired. He's here to to give us what it is to to have hope. He's here to, again, change our our, our framework. Um, This is the heartburn we're going after, and, and what I believe is that heartburn from Jesus can restore our hope. See, if we get around him often enough, if we realize that he has always been there, 
regardless of where we have been, if we realize that he hasn't given up on us, even for all the times we've given up on him, then we can have this hope. We can have this idea that he is real and with us. In fact, that's why we gather together. So I can tell you, you believe in Jesus, I do too. You had a tough week, I did too, but guess what? He's real and he cares for you. In fact, in Romans, there's this passage that says, when we get together, we can encourage each other. Look at this passage. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope with the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to have that. I don't want you to just have hope in short supply. I want you to have hope that is overflowing, that is in abundance, that it flows to other people. And let it start with me. Let it start with me telling you that the Holy Spirit is real, that he can work in your life to give you peace when your circumstances aren't so. Jesus is real, and he has loved you more than anyone, and he has paid your death. And our hope for the future is real. Though I have not yet seen him with my own eyes, I someday will see him. And he is returning, and that will be the greatest day of our existence. Hope is here, my friends. May you believe it, and may we give it to others. Amen. Please stand.